Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. I want to do a one-off sermon today. It's called, Can't We All Just Get Along? Can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just get along? I don't know about you, but it seems the level of anger and aggression and arguments in the world is going up on a weekly basis. Everybody seems to be fighting with everybody else and forming little camps and groups. I'm not sure if it's because of the internet or what it is. I think it must be. Have you discovered that when you are slightly anonymous or removed, you can be more angry and horrible than you would be if you were talking to a person face to face? Have you noticed that? I've noticed it in the car. I will say things to other drivers that I would never say to them if they were standing in front of me. Isn't that true? And on the internet, it's even worse. The things people say about each other and to each other, and we form little camps and we get even more entrenched in our position. And the question is, why can't we all just get along? But are we supposed to all just get along? Isn't there supposed to be the Christians holding up the truth? But aren't we supposed to get along? But isn't there the truth? Let's look at it for the next 20 minutes or 30. (laughs) Ephesians 4 verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. You might say, well, who cares what the Bible says? Can I just give you a little insight? On a Sunday morning, we have people all through the spectrum of faith. What do you mean by the spectrum of faith, Greg? I mean that there are people on the far end who are not even interested in God. And praise the Lord, you came into church and we're so glad you're here. And we welcome you. We want you here. Um, And there are people at that end of the spectrum. There are others who are closer to coming to decide to follow Jesus. There are some who have followed Jesus. And there are some who have been following Jesus for a long time. And that whole spectrum is in our midst. And the difference in me speaking to you, depending on where you are on the spectrum, is this. If you have not yet given your life to Jesus, you want to be told about life issues. Like, why am I struggling? Why am I sad? Why is my marriage in trouble? All these life issues. And then you want to see what the Bible says about them. You want to start from life issues And then the Bible speaks to you. That's if you're on your way to coming to know Jesus. But once you've decided to follow Jesus, we start from the Bible. We say the Bible is my rule for life. And then I apply it to my life issues. But I start from the Bible when I'm a Christian. And so me and all of us who preach, we try to encompass both areas of the spectrum. We try to say these are the life issues and this is how the Bible applies Or this is what the Bible says, let's apply it to your life. And today I'm talking about why can't we all just get along. And I'm starting with a Bible verse. And it says, be completely humble and gentle. This is if you've given your life to Jesus, you say the Bible is God's word to me. He knows what's best for me. He knows what will make my life work and succeed and what pleases him. And therefore I trust God's word. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Not angry and trying to hurt other people. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every 
effort. That talks about hard work, sweat, trying hard. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to try and keep peace and make everyone get along. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So God wants unity. Let me just read you the prayer that Jesus prayed just before he was crucified in John 17 verse 20. Jesus said, I do not pray for these disciples alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, Lighthouse in Jersey in 2021. I'm praying for them, Jesus says. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus was praying for unity. Why? Because when the world looks at us Christians, another verse says they'll know we are Christians by our love. It's our unity and our love that will make people sit up. It's not the fact that we can bash them over the head with a clever argument. Or the fact that we are in a camp that says we're more right than those Christians or those non-Christians. No, it's our unity. And Jesus is praying for it. He even repeats it again, the very next verse. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Why? That they may be one just as we are one. He's given us his glory for the purpose of making us one. And our petty little fights about how much better or cleverer we are than the next person are not what make God happy. Next verse. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus was very concerned for unity, but also he said unity is what will make the world want Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? So I'm deeply challenged. I could probably stop my sermon right now and we could just have 20 minutes of crying and repenting. For the times when we haven't been very kind to one another or united. But I want to say that truth is also important. John 8 verse 32. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So yes, unity is important, but truth is important. The world nowadays will say... That, well, it's hard for me to, to try and portray what the world says because I just don't agree with it, but I'll try my best. They say, we must all just accept everybody's version of the truth. Everybody's version is valid. If you think up is down or black is white or man is woman, that's fine. You can think what you like and we'll all just accept everybody. There's no th such thing as, as clear truth objective truth that's what the world says they say we accept everyone except those pesky christians <laughs> but really that that's what they're trying to say There's, so let's all just accept everyone's point of view but actually if we're going to believe what jesus said there is such a thing as truth which is unchangeable because it's not based on a person's opinion it's based on objective truth that god says is real and true and never changing 
And Jesus said, the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, you will be bound up in bondage and eventually separated from God forever. And so the truth is important. And when a Christian disagrees with somebody else, as long as they do it in love and kindness, they are being loving because they're saying, I need to tell you the truth. Are you getting the problem here? <laughs> how can we all just get along, but also how can we stand up for the truth? I'm going to read you a few verses that help us to understand this. Romans 14, verse 1. I'm talking about how can we, how can we have a bit of unity uh, and still believe the important things. So Romans 14 verse 1 says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now that is a verse with so much in it. Just that one verse. He says, accept people. He's talking about within the church now. But I would say also it's the wider church. You know, on because of the internet now, we can comment on Christians' opinions all over the planet. And he says, don't quarrel over disputable matters. And just by saying that, what he's saying is there are some things which are very important, which you must take a stand on. And then there are other matters which are disputable. And so it's very important for us to be able to differentiate what are the things I will take a stand on and speak the truth and say I'm not wavering on that. Obviously with love and, and respect and politeness, but this is what I'm taking a stand on. And what are the things that I'm willing to say, well I believe this, but you believe different, and that's a disputable matter. What would it be? Would it be... End times doctrine, maybe. Is there going to be a tribulation? Is it going to be this many years? Is it going to look like this? Is Jesus going to come back before the tribulation, after the tribulation? What, is it end time doctrine that is an essential thing, or is that one of the disputable things? When I was in America, there was a big dispute over whether women should wear lots of makeup to church or not. And churches were splitting over it. Some said, yes, the woman must wear lots of, so much makeup. It's like layers thick. Others were saying, no, 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 makeup. Should a person drink alcohol or not? That was another issue that divided people. There are so many issues. I was in a church once where they split because of the choice of worship songs they sang. And they were all kind of modern, beaty praise and worship songs. But some said, no, we've got to have just these ones written by these Songwriters and others said, no, we want others. And the church split. I mean, what are the things that are essential and what are the things that are disputable? In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I'm going to remind you of the essential gospel that I told you. And he lists a few things. That Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he was seen by witnesses. And, and those are the essentials. Jesus, the Son of God, came and died and was risen again. But in Romans 14, where he's talking about disputable matters, verse 2 says, One person's faith allows them to eat anything, 
but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite funny these days. Whoa-oh. <laughs> you weak vegans. <laughs> but he goes on in this chapter to say that some also treat certain days as holy and other people think every day is holy. But I want you to know that these matters were important to these people. Let me explain to you. Some people had read the Old Testament and they had understood the laws, the Old Testament laws of food and diet and you mustn't eat these types of food and you can eat these types. And they were genuinely trying to worship God and obey Him. It wasn't a health issue. It wasn't a preference issue. They were thinking, I'm worshiping God. And if I eat this meat, this pork or whatever, I'm dishonoring God. And so they, they avoided those foods. Whereas others said, I'm, I'm going to eat anything. Some people said, the Sabbath is Sunday. Others said it's Saturday. Others said, I can worship God on Wednesday. Or this feast or this important holy day I must keep others said no it's not so important to keep but for the ones who believed it it was so important to them they were it was close to their hearts and they were honoring God by doing it and Paul says please get this those are disputable matters and he goes on to say in verse 13 therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another instead Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. In 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, and in this chapter and various other places, he says, I'm willing to subject my rights. I have the right to say, I'm going to eat meat, or I'm going to go to church on whatever day, or I'm going to worship like this, or... I'm going to subject my rights for the sake of unity. I'm going to decide what are disputable matters and only make an issue over the essentials. And all these disputables, I will say my opinion, but for the sake of unity, I want to keep unity at any cost. And so he says, I, I won't eat meat with other people who are offended by it because I want to keep unity. I want to honor them. I want to love them. Isn't that quite challenging? And then in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is speaking. In verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, I became as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, I became as without the law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And what this meant was that Paul takes Timothy, who is a Jewish, he's half Jewish, half Gentile, but he's not circumcised. And Paul gets him circumcised because he's going to a place where the Jews would be offended if he wasn't. And so in order to win some for Christ, 
He's willing to do that. But in the Galatian church, when they were making a big deal of circumcision, he says, if you circumcise yourselves, then you might as well go the whole way and cut everything off, basically. He's, he's quite strong about it. But he's willing to change and move on important things as long as it's not the absolute essentials. He's willing to be flexible to win some to keep unity, to try and reach them. He says, I'll become all things to all men, except not sin. But basically, he says, I'll do whatever it takes to win some for Christ. Now, where am I going with all this? First point, unity is very important. Second point, truth is important. But the third point, we need to dis discern between essential truth and non-essential truth. And now my fourth point is the way that we speak or the way that we act. Titus 3 verse 2. Speak evil of no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. That's just one verse out of ten that I could show you. Where Paul says the way that we come across is important. He's not saying don't stand up for essential truth. He says essential truth is important. But still, be peaceable. Speak evil of no one. Be gentle, showing humility to all men. Colossians 4 verse 5 and 6 says this. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. He says, let your speech be with grace. What does grace look like when it's spoken? It says, I'm humble. I'm not better than you. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, look how clever I am. I'm not demeaning you or dishonoring you. I'm polite. I'm respectful. I'm kind. But I am standing up for the truth. You know what salt does? It creates a thirst. He says, let your speech be with grace, but with salt. So it creates a thirst where people say, wow, that's attractive, the way that person. They believe what's true and they stand up for it. But there's grace and humility and kindness in the way they speak. Truth and grace. Do you remember what John 1 says? Jesus came full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Ephesians 4, 15. Speak the truth in love. When these two go together, when I come across seasoned with salt, full of grace, but I'm willing to speak the truth, it's attractive. And it says um, that then you will know how you ought to answer each person. So what do we do about this? I think the main thing for myself, I'm, I'm speaking to myself today, the main thing that I get out of these verses is unity and being seen to be kind and peaceful are more important than being right. Unless it's about the absolute essentials of Christianity. Jesus came. He was the Son of God. He died he was buried. He rose again for our sins that we may be forgiven. That is essential. There are a whole lot of other things that I can have conversations with people about. And I don't mind if we disagree as long as we are kind to one another. As long as we're respectful. Can you imagine 
if all the Christians on the internet disagreed with respect and kindness, could you imagine what an impact that would have on the world? But as it is, I see people who are saying they're saying things in the name of God, but actually there's just a whole lot of pride and arrogance saying, I'm better than you because I've got a different version of the truth than you. And they think it's okay to revile people. You know, there's this word in the Bible called revile. And it means to insult somebody else's character. And in 1 Corinthians 6, he lists the sins that mean a person is not going to heaven. And one of them is reviling. And we think it's okay to revile other people. I've spoken to Christians quite recently and I've said, why do you think it's okay to revile other Christians? And you know what they said to me? They said, when Paul challenged Peter in Galatians 2, he did it publicly about eating food with, with Jews and not with eating with Gentiles. And when I pushed them on this, I said to them, but did he revile Peter? Did he say he was a bad person, an evil person? He wasn't saved. He was scum. He was less. No. Did he do it to Peter's face or did he do it on a public forum? No, he did it to Peter's face. Yes, there were others in the room. And was there a context of love and a relationship already there where he could challenge Peter? Yes, there was. And did Paul ever name other people by name and call them out and say, such and such is a bad preacher, such and such is a rubbish Christian, such and such believes the wrong thing. Did he ever do that? No, he never did. He listed the error, but he didn't list the people's names because he was careful to not revile people. So what do we do with this? I personally need to move my heart from wanting to be right and wanting to show that I'm more right than others to wanting unity and love and gentleness and respect and peace while still proclaiming the essential truths of Christianity. And I believe when we do that, the world is going to look on and they're going to say there's something about these Christians. Now more than ever, we can shine a light in the world. The rest of the world is either all weirdly wishy-washy, there's no such thing as truth, or they're angrily against other people. But we Christians can show a different path. And for us as a church, you know, the more we have the ability to get on with each other, even if we think differently, we will see people coming into the faith. We will see people joining our church because they'll say there's something different there. So, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your truth. And thank you for the way that you modeled it in your life, Lord Jesus, that you were so gracious, but you still said the truth. Please help me. Please help all of us, Lord, to have the same heart and the same mind that you have. Thank you, Lord. Please help us, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Please help us, Lord, where we've put our own ego or our own need to be right above unity and love. Please forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray for just a change, a change of direction amongst the way Christians think.
that we would be more like you, Lord Jesus. That we would want to honor you and want to shine your love to the rest of the world and show the world what you are really like. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to prioritize unity, to make an effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Please help us, Lord. We need your help, Lord. We can't do this on our own. But Lord, we look forward to seeing your glory poured out so that there's more unity, so that there's more of your witness in the world around us. We look forward to seeing that, Lord, in our midst, in our meetings. Jesus, help us. Help us as we go into a new year to be different, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.